Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the 46 Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Ben Link, the president of 46 Brooklyn Research, but I'm also a pharmacist fed up with fake, artificially inflated drug prices. Given that this is our first episode, it's probably best for me to give a little bit of background information about who we are, what we do, and why we're here. If you've never heard of 46 Brooklyn, 46 Brooklyn is an Ohio nonprofit whose purpose is to improve the accessibility and usability of drug pricing data. 46 Brooklyn accomplishes this goal by publishing visualizations and articles on a website, 46brooklyn.com. However, those of us at 46 Brooklyn have come to realize that the details regarding the fundamental concepts of the U.S. drug supply chain are lacking and potentially hindering conversations around drug pricing information. As a result, I am launching our podcast with a series called Drug Pricing 101, which will introduce the core concepts of the U.S. drug supply chain to hopefully foster a better understanding of the data available at 46brooklyn.com. As with any educational endeavor, I've attempted to present the information in a logical manner to hopefully ease understanding. However, I want to recognize and acknowledge that everyone learns differently. To that end, if you have questions or comments regarding these materials, please reach out to us on our website. Alright, with that introduction out of the way, let's get started and acknowledge that before we can begin really talking about the U.S. drug supply chain, we need to define what the U.S. drug supply chain is and identify why you or I or anyone should even care about it. Simply put, the drug supply chain is the process by which people use, pay for, and manage medications. Within the United States, medications come in two broad types prescription, and over-the-counter. A prescription medication, often identified with the symbol RX, is a product that requires an order for use from a medical practitioner, someone like a doctor, nurse, pharmacist, in order for a person to obtain and use the product. This is in contrast to an over-the-counter, or OTC, which can be obtained without a prescription with instructions for use available on the packaging. OTCs are products generally available at grocery stores or gas stations and treat things like fever, allergies, or sore throats. The reason for the distinction between RX and OTC medications is generally the potential for medication misuse, with prescription medications being either more harmful or abusable if used inappropriately or without medical advice. So with those definitions out of the way, let's talk about why we care about prescription drugs and the supply chain that delivers them to us. At its most basic, we care about the drug supply chain because without prescription drugs, people would die. This is not an understatement or exaggeration, but a simple statement of fact. 100 years ago, prior to the existence of the prescription drug insulin, people with type 1 diabetes died within months or even weeks of developing the disease. The development of insulin changed all of that. That is, in part, why insulin prices receive so much attention. People need insulin to survive. 
The next reason I'd offer for why we should care about the drug supply chain is that without prescription drugs, people would have a worse quality of life. To give an example here, I'd mention the advent of medications used to treat Parkinson's. We don't have a cure for Parkinson's, which is a disease that involves uncontrolled shaking, but we have developed medications that help control the shaking. Prior to the development of these medications, people with the disease were often unable to perform daily tasks such as getting dressed or walking. Now, medications can help manage the symptoms of Parkinson's, i.e. that shaking, enabling them to live more fulfilling lives. And outside of those two qualitative measures for why we should care about drug pricing, we have a lot of data that supports why we should care about drug prices. In research published in 2019, the U.S. government found that a majority of Americans use prescription drugs, with nearly 7 in 10 adults aged 40 to 79 using at least one prescription medication within the last 30 days. Similarly, research by the Kaiser Family Foundation found that a majority, meaning 79%, of Americans say that the cost of prescription medications are too high, and 3 in 10 said that they haven't taken their medications as prescribed due to cost. The situation is such that at least prior to the pandemic, research also by Kaiser in January of 2020 showed that one in five Americans said that lowering drug costs should be the top health priority in Congress. And if all those stats aren't enough to convince you, I have one more set of statistics to offer. In 2019, according to the money counters within the U.S. government, it was determined that healthcare spending totaled $3.8 trillion. Of that almost $4 trillion number, a number too large for any of us to really comprehend, 10% or roughly $370 billion was spent on prescription drugs. Furthermore, the finance folks within the federal government also told us that in 2019, the total spending on prescription drugs by Medicare and Medicaid was $268 billion, which equates to 72% of that previously mentioned total drug spending number. Said differently, if you are someone who takes no medications, has no concern for the health or well-being of your neighbor, and might otherwise be disinterested in the drug supply chain, you need to care about it because a lot of your tax dollars are being spent on drugs. This is money that might otherwise be used to build bridges or create better jobs. And all of this healthcare spending is occurring in an environment where we know that relative to other countries, the U.S. is paying more for healthcare to get worse outcomes. A recent Government Accountability Office report, or GAO report, showed that compared to the other countries of Canada, Australia, and France, the U.S. pays top dollar for the same product. This is a topic we have, as a matter of fact, had firsthand experience with at 46 Brooklyn, having explored the difference in cost for the same drugs in Australia and the United States. As with all of our research, this study is available for free on 46brooklyn.com if you're curious. But sometimes these aggregate numbers can make understanding the real impact a little difficult. So let us return to insulin prices and the long-acting insulin called Lantus or insulin glargine if you want to use its generic name. Our website would inform you that the average cost a pharmacy pays to acquire a box of Lantus pens is around $400. GoodRx would inform you a pharmacy would be willing to sell you that box for $336. Either way, several hundreds of dollars per month 
or more for a drug that we know you need to live if you're a diabetic. If we compare that price to the price within the Canadian healthcare system, we see that the price for a box of Lantus pens is $92 in Canadian dollars, which equates to about 75 US greenbacks. In Australia, a box of insulin glargine pens marketed under a different name, OptiInsulin or Semgly, would cost their government 144 Australian dollary dues or $112 in the US. Either way, the US is paying triple or quadruple the price. Ultimately, the purpose of Drug Pricing 101 is to put together the foundation of knowledge that will help us have informed conversations with our family, friends, and elected leaders on exactly why payers in the United States pay so much for drugs that they consume. In our next episode, we will dive into doing just that by looking more closely at the participants of the U.S. drug supply chain beyond just patients, doctors, and pharmacists you might immediately think of when we say drug supply chain. I want to thank you for listening today, and I hope you'll tune in to our next episode. The 46 Brooklyn podcast would like to thank McGowan Braybender for the use of their facilities in recording our podcast. We'd also like to thank Ben at Journeyman Productions for assistance with our music and sound. As a reminder to our listeners, if you're curious about any of the materials discussed on today's episode, additional information can always be found on 46brooklyn.com.